Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is John Hunter Nemechek from Nimco Motorsports, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the February 20th edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 179 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Mullally and myself will be recapping the past week of racing, actually almost two weeks now, previewing upcoming action, and discussing whatever, discussing whatever other topics pop up into the conversation. Second annual Daytona before battling against each other in Sunday's 62nd annual Daytona 500 at Daytona International Speedway, Ryan Blaney and Bubba Wallace worked together riding the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, one of two attractions in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studio. Blaney, an avid Star Wars fan, and Wallace piloted the famous starship on an interactive smuggling mission. Following Smuggler's Run, Blaney and Wallace joined the Resistance in the thrill ride Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. The day also included a lightsaber photo opportunity and character meet and greet as the two drivers relaxed before a a busy five days at Daytona National Speedway. Other drivers, including Clint Boyer, Brad Keselowski, and Kyle Larson, also spent time at the happiest place on Earth in order to prepare for the race. One that will definitely go down in history. Before we delve more into that, however, let's recap the other events held at the World Center of Racing over the past couple of weeks. In a dramatic three-wide fender-banging finish to open the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series season, Grant Enfinger won Friday night's 21st annual Nextra Energy 250 at Daytona International Speedway in NASCAR overtime. A multi-car incident on lap 98 of the scheduled 100 lap of 250-mile race caused an extended caution period that forced the race beyond the scheduled distance. The restart came on lap 105 to start a two-lap overtime. On the final lap, it came down to Enfinger, Jordan Anderson, and Cody Rohrbaugh. Approaching the finish, Enfinger's number 98 champion, Curve Records Ford, was in the middle, sandwiched between Anderson in the number 3 Casefield Bomarito.com Chevrolet and Rohrbaugh in the number 9 GCM CR7 Northport Chevrolet, with Enfinger and Anderson doing as much rubbing as racing. It was close. Enfinger edged Anderson by only .010 seconds, giving Ford their 100th victory in the NASCAR Gander Truck competition. Third place, Rohrbaugh finished .070 seconds back. Derek Knauss and Natalie Decker rounded up top five. With the top fifth place finish, Decker became the highest finishing woman in the series history. Overtime was not a surprise. The popular NASCAR Gander trucks are typically a ruckus at Daytona. A reminder of that appeared quickly on lap 16 when nine trucks were involved in a turn one incident that sent rookie Ty Majeski's number 45 Plan B sales Chevrolet flipping and landing on its roof. Majeski's machine skidded down the track before coming to a halt. During the ensuing red flagged period, safety workers got the truck right side up and Majeski emerged unscathed. There was one practice Friday for the annual Daytona 500 set for Sunday at 2.30 p.m. William Byron, number 24, Exalta Chevrolet, led the season set, led the session with a lap of 204.587 miles per hour. He was one of 23 drivers to exceed 200 miles per hour. The Daytona 500 opens the season for the NASCAR Cup Series, America's premier form of motorsports. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the number 47 Kroger Chevrolet, started on the pole. 
On Thursday night, Byron in 2015, Daytona 500 champion Joey Logano won the two blue-green vacations dueling Daytona qualifying races to establish the starting grid for the Great American Race. Howard Gregson won the NASCAR Racing Experience 300 on Sun- on Saturday to open the NASCAR Xfinity Series season at the Daytona National Speedway. Gregson driving number nine Bass Pro Shops BRCC Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports and car owner Dale Earnhardt Jr. emerged from a tight battle after the race's final restart on lap 118 of the 120 lap 300 mile race being held for the 67th time, 62nd time at the World Center of Racing. Gregson took the lead on lap 118 and kept it clean under a turn three multi-car incident that brought out the yellow flag on lap 120 to effectively end the race under caution. Gregson nipped runner-up Harrison Burton, number 20, Dex Imaging Toyota, by .631 seconds. Timmy Hill, number 66, VSI Racing slash RoofClaim.com Toyota, finished third. After getting his first victory, his first NASCAR Xfinity Series victory, the 21-year-old Gregson celebrated like a veteran and a champion by climbing the front stretch fencing and gesturing to the fans in attendance. Also on Saturday, the last of four practice sessions was held for Sunday's 62nd annual Daytona 500, 2.30 p.m. Eastern TV Fox Radio, Sirius Radio. Joey Logano, the 2015 Daytona 500 champion, led the practice with a fast lap of 200.517 miles per hour in the number 22 Shell Pennzoil Ford. Logano was one of six drivers to post laps above 200 miles per hour. There surely would have been more if 14 drivers had not opted to bypass the session. One of those sitting out was defending in two-time Daytona 500 champion Denny Hamlin in the number 11 Connect Express Toyota. In fact, none of the five Toyota drivers in the field took part. That seemingly played safe approach seemed reasonable. No matter where you qualify, if you switch to a backup car or change an engine, you must go to the rear of the field at the start of the race. And going from back to front is no easy task in this 40-car field. Denny Hamlin became the fourth driver to win back-to-back Daytona 500s on Monday, winning the 62nd annual running of the Great American Race in the NASCAR Overtime Finish at Daytona National Speedway. The race resumed Monday after it was halted on Sunday night with 20 laps completed. It was only the second most moment in Daytona 500 history. 2012 was the other one. Hamlin, driving the number 11 FedEx Express Toyota, wow, joined Richard Petty, 1973-74, to Cale Yarborough, 1983-84, to and Sterling Marlin, 1994-95, to as consecutive Daytona 500 champions. Hamlin also became only the sixth driver to win NASCAR's premier event at least three times. He also won in 2016. Hamlin edged Ryan Blaney, number 12 Maynard slash Peak Ford, by .014 seconds, while Chris Buescher, number 17 Fastenal Ford, finished third. The race was extended to 209 laps, nine past scheduled 200-lap, 500-mile distance via two NASCAR overtimes caused by late race incidents. For Hamlin, the victory continued his emergence as the latest NASCAR Cup Series driver to dominate at Daytona. The race also ended with an incident. On the last lap, Ryan Newman in number six, Coke Industries Ford, led on the inside coming to strike, getting a push from Blaney. Hamlin was running third on the inside. Suddenly, Newman's car turned right into the wall seconds later. Newman was hit by Curry LaJoy's car in the number 32 RagingBull.com Ford. Newman was transported to a local hospital afterwards. For Hamlin, the weekend continues on Tuesday when the traditional Daytona 500 Champions Media Tour hit New York with a full slate of appearances and interviews that included visits live with Kelly and Ryan, Fox New York, The Noon, The Rome, Jim Rome Show, Barstool Breakfast, CXSM Radio, CBS Sports Radio, and the New York Stock Exchange. 
Analysts also took part in a special satellite media tour, or he will be taking part in a special satellite media tour on Friday from Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, site of this week's NASCAR Cup Series race. Reigning NASCAR Cup Series champion Kyle Busch, number 18, M&M's Toyota, failed to win his sport's biggest race for the 15th time. Busch was leading up, leading on lap 183 when his ride developed engine problems. He finished 34th. Jimmy Johnson, number 48, Ally Chevrolet, raced in the Daytona 500 for what could be for the final time. Finishing 35th, he is retiring from the NASCAR Cup Series after this season. The two-time Daytona 500 champion started sixth after a strong run in one of last week's two qualifying races. Johnson shares the all-time record of seven NASCAR Cup Series championships with Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. Racing resumes at Daytona National Speedway on March 6th through the 15th with another long-standing motorsport tradition, the 79th Annual Bike Week at Daytona. The Bike Week is scheduled to 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 be headlined by the 50th Annual Daytona Supercross on March 7th and the 79th Annual Daytona 200 on March 14th. New this year, pairing the Daytona 200 with the popular Daytona TT flat track race for unique day-night doubleheader. I'm actually planning on going to one of those events. haven't quite nailed down the information yet, but I am currently working on seeing how that's going to go, so it should be pretty interesting. Tickets for the 50th Annual Daytona Supercross, the 79th Annual Daytona 200, and all other Speedway events can be purchased online at DaytonaNationalSpeedway.com or by calling Monahair Pit Shop. Fans can also stay connected with Daytona National Speedway on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, and Snapchat, and also by downloading the Daytona National Speedway's mobile app for the latest Speedway news throughout the season. Let's go ahead and take a brief musical break here and listen to 99 Speedway from Ron Pastana and the pit crew.
This is Tristan Nunez, driver of the 7-0 Skyactiv Mazda prototype, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner? Maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Contact either Michael Malali or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you. On that note, let's go ahead and, and let you know about some of the guests we're going to have next week. As we mentioned earlier, Sterling Marlin is one of the few divers who's actually won the Daytona 500 twice in consecutive years. We're actually planning on having Sterling Marlin and his grandson Sterling Marlin on next week. So that'll be pretty interesting. Um, in addition, we're going to have Ernie Francis Jr. talking about the uh, Trans Am series, as well as an iRacing competitor, Dennis Nickel, who's won several different races on the platform. And he'll tell us a little bit more about what could be the future of modern motorsport. So we're looking forward to that next week. It should be an awesome show. It'll actually be an extended show. What I'm planning on right now is to be about 90 minutes long. So we'll go ahead and try and squeeze all of the information into a 90-minute program. This week's going to be a little bit shorter than that, probably a little less than half hour, because we don't have anybody scheduled for this week, and we've had a lot of news about Daytona we wanted to cover. Um, so let's go ahead and get into that a little bit. As we stated in the in the review of the Daytona 500, uh, the the race ended with uh, Ryan Newman in what it was a incredibly difficult crash to watch, and that's probably why they replayed it several times on Fox because it came it made for pretty pretty interesting television showing how how violent the crash was. Uh, it was kind of scary on Monday night, uh, wondering whether Newman was able to actually get out of the car on his own, which he was not, but. Thankfully, as all of us saw uh, yesterday afternoon, Ryan Newman, after roughly 42 hours in the hospital, walked out on his own power, released from the hospital with no apparent injuries. Um, they have not released what his injuries are, but that was really amazing to see him walk out of the hospital with his two daughters yesterday. So that's really cool. Um, it was pretty scary for a little while uh, for the entire racing community. Um, ended up reaching out to all different sorts of people, which is how how we're able to talk to, to Sterling Marlin next week. He was one of the people I reached out to first because I had a feeling he'd probably be at the track. Um, so that was pretty cool to to uh, 
to reach out to all the different people, see how, how the racing community comes together in times of crisis. And it's really awesome to see the fact that, that Ryan Newman is is out of the hospital with no apparent injuries. Uh, unfortunately, Ryan Newman will not be competing this weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, it was announced yesterday that he's going to be temporarily out of the car and he will be be replaced in the machine by the Millen man himself. So that'll be interesting to see how, how Ross Chastain does in the car. Ross Chastain did make a statement yesterday that was, was a little interesting to read. Um, I know that most of you probably saw it already. Let's go ahead and, and read it out to you in case you didn't see it. No one could ever take the place of Ryan Newman on the track, and I can't wait to have him back. As we continue to pray for a full and speedy recovery, I'll do my best to make him and everyone at Ross Fenway Racing proud. Now, that is really a respectful statement, but it could be taken a lot of different ways. I'm sure everybody's going to analyze it in their own fashion. Um, I'm personally not certain how long Ryan will be out of the car. When I saw him walk out yesterday, it was all looking like a, uh, he'd just been on a Sunday flash Monday drive. Um, I was kind of surprised that he, he wasn't going to be there this weekend, but I know that he needs to take some time to decompress and figure out what he's going to be doing. Um, it almost seems like Chastain is hoping it's going to be a longer time for Ryan Newman, um, which it might be. You never know. Uh, after a crash like that, there's all different things that go through your head, I'm certain. Uh, one of them is probably the the idea that uh, that if the next time he may not be as lucky. Um, I'm sure that's that's probably the primary thought in his head. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But... Uh, It'll be an interesting time in NASCAR. There are going to be a lot of discussions about what could be done differently. They have already started um, about safety discussions, that sort of thing. So it'll be something different. What was your opinion of this weekend's Daytona 500? Now you were actually able to, to watch the entire thing, the coverage on, on Sunday as well as the coverage on Monday night. I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. I didn't expect, I mean, there to be so many crashes at the end. I thought the one big one before the last two, I thought that was going to be it for Rex, but I mean, it obviously wasn't. And I mean, as far as like, I don't know how many times I've heard in the past couple of days that Joey is a dirty driver. And I mean, I think there's a difference between being a dirty driver and being an aggressive driver. And I think it's, was the Daytona 500, so I think everybody was a little bit aggressive. You could kind of tell. And, I mean, as far as Newman's wreck, um, I think that kind of shows that NASCAR is in the right direction with their safety because that had all of the means to be very bad, and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't good, but it wasn't, you know, as bad as it could have been. And I think that that shows that NASCAR is in the right direction with all of their safety stuff. And, of course, you can always improve it and stuff. But I think that that crash alone showed that they're doing something right. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're, the uh, the safety innovations that have taken place, especially since the, the death of Dale Earnhardt, changed the, the sport dramatically. And the fact that Ryan Newman, who is the, uh, who is the mechanical engineer who has all the, the background of that sort of thing is uh, is continually harped on NASCAR to become safer and safer. He instituted the what they're calling the Newman Bar now, the uh, the extra support there in the roof line, which probably helped to to keep the the entire frame of the car from collapsing around him. Even though some but uh, some but did obviously. Um, 
that's one of the big things. But they're talking now about the fact that the, the safety crew could have been a little bit faster, uh, which they could have been, of course. Um, and there's all different things they're going to look at, I'm sure, including the design of the car itself, which they're, they're not really going to get into publicly. And I'm sure that with the fact that the, the car is being replaced in the next, next year or so, um, they're going to take some of the stuff they learned from the crash and incorporate that a little bit more into the design of the new car. So it'll be cool to see how that goes. Um, it'll also be, be quite something to see what, what Ryan Newman does and to hear from him whenever he decides it's time to, for him to talk to the press. Um, that will be something indeed, and it'll change the uh, people's perspective as well. So I also need to mention yep. the fact and that... I think... uh... mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I think, you know, as far as the safety crew that could have been a little faster, I mean, to an extent, I agree. I mean, you can always be faster. But I think what made it feel like it took them so long was the fact that that car could have ignited at literally any second. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's kind of, you know, one thing that made it feel like it took them two hours to get over there, you know? We also need to mention the fact that uh, that Michael Self won the ARCA race there at Daytona, uh, that was held the uh, the week before the all the other events. So, congratulations again to Michael Self, Michael Self in the in the Sinclair racing car. Uh, probably no relation, but as my father says, anybody who has our last name, you never know. So, um, it was pretty pretty good to see Michael Self win that again. He's he's had lots of success in Daytona, and we are hoping to have him on the program sometime in the next few weeks. I have uh, reached out to. Venturi Motorsports, who seems really anxious to have some of their drivers on the show, but we just haven't been able to figure out which day works best for them. So we're working on that. Um, as I stated in a couple of weeks ago, we've got lots of different people on the schedule to be on the program. We just haven't quite nailed down their schedules yet. Uh, next week could be a really busy week, and that'll be awesome. Uh, in addition, we're working on the the five-question series, which we had the one come out with uh, – with Liam Dwyer, and yesterday we posted the one with Michaela Lation. So be sure to check that out. Those are both posted on SpeedwayDigest.com. They're featured pieces, so you just look for them up at the top of the, the top of the website. The Lation one is is still pretty much centered on the site. The other one, the Liam Dwyer one, you might have to look for a little bit, but you can find it. Not that hard. So be sure to look that up. We also have a, a segment on Supercross, which is going to be be coming up pretty soon. Uh, that'll be a uh, getting to know the contender series. Uh, we've got, I believe, five drivers are going to be taking five riders, as they're called there in, in uh, Supercross, going to be taking part in that. Uh, that'll be more like a 20 questions type thing. Again, it depends on how how their interviews go. But what I'm thinking right now is it'll be like a 20 questions type thing. So you learn a little bit more about the the riders in the Supercross series. I'm really looking forward to that series. That'll be pretty cool. Uh, as we stated, the uh, Supercross is coming to Daytona in a few weeks, um, so we'll see how how that goes. I am currently planning on going to the Supercross event there in Daytona. I'm also planning on going to the Supercross event in Seattle, which will be the first time I've actually met our co-host Michael Mullally in person. So that'll be that'll be pretty awesome. We might even have a little bit of a a live live show from that if I can work that out. I know there's a way to do that. Um, so it might not be a very long show. It might just be a, a couple minutes of going back and forth about how the how the racing is going. But that'll be a, a, an interesting thing to get to see these, the event there in Seattle. I've never been to that part of the country. I've been to Oregon a few times, never been up to Washington State. So that'll be, uh, be pretty awesome to check that out. Um, I'm also kind of thinking about going to, 
going to Las Vegas still, although that's not quite as easy as it as it originally seemed. Uh, I might just end up heading out to the city sometime in April to check out Las Vegas, Nevada. So that'll be interesting. That is my, my current plan. As far as racing goes, I'm planning on heading out to the, uh, the Super Sebring race, which is being held in a few weeks, roughly 30 days, I believe, is when that takes place. Um, they have a Friday race, which is the, the World Endurance Championship, and then they have, that's the 1,000 hours of Sebring, or the, uh, the 1,000 miles of Sebring, I think is what they call it. And then Saturday is the 12 hours of Sebring. That is an IMSA event. So they're also supposed to release details about the uh, convergence there at Sebring, which is the current plan to unify the rules between the ACO, the Auto Club of the West, and the International Motorsports Association. So that'll be pretty awesome if they actually are able to figure that out. There have been some has been some movement in that uh, past few days. Basically, the fact that Peugeot is iffy about their supercar, their hypercar program, which is what they were planning on running in the European Le Mans series next season, as well as Aston Martin, which has pretty much eliminated their hypercar program, and Toyota, which is still working on their hypercar program, but right now they are the only team that is working on a fully funded hypercar program. So that won't really work very well for the European Le Mans series. They've had issues like that before. In fact, Toyota is the premier manufacturer in the P1 series, and I don't think that Toyota would be very interested in being the premier manufacturer in hypercar. They actually want some competition. So we'll see how that goes. And that will be the next big thing in the world of sports car racing. As far as NASCAR is concerned, this weekend they are heading to Las Vegas for their uh, their Western Swing, where they're going to be going to Las Vegas. They'll be competing in California as well as in Phoenix over the next few weeks. So that'll be kind of kind of interesting to see how that goes. This is the first time they've done that at this time of year. Uh, this is really the season when the NASCAR NASCAR season has been flipped on its head, the, the schedule-wise. Um, the only one that really didn't change is the Daytona 500. Pretty much everything else has shifted at least a few weeks here and there. Uh, they will be back in Homestead roughly a month from now um, for what they're calling the ultimate spring break. Break spelled B-R-A-K-E, which is kind of clever. Um, but the fact that both Sebring and the, and the, uh, the Homestead race take place in the same weekend makes it really, really uh, difficult to see how that, that will work out because there are there are quite a few people who are fans of more sports in the state of Florida, but they can't all be at the at different places at the same time. There are quite a few overlaps and that sort of thing. And it just gets really bad here in the state in March uh, when there's all sorts of racing all taking place and pretty much taking place all at the exact same time. So that generally doesn't work very well if you want to try and be in People can't be in two places at once as much as they want to be, which is just how it goes. Um, in fact, uh, next weekend, the, uh, the Trans Am Series opens up their schedule in Sebring, which is kind of kind of interesting. They haven't done that in a while. Um, that is where the series first started, and I'm going to be putting out a piece on that probably either tomorrow or Saturday. Um, currently working on gathering a little bit more information about that. Um, so check that out on speedwaydigest.com. Um, we'll also be talking about that next week with our guest, Ernie Francis Jr. So anything else exciting going on in the world of more sports you want to discuss this evening? Mm, 
Not really, but I do have a question. So I know you've been to a lot of racetracks, and of all the tracks you've been to, which one has had the best food? <laughs> I think that would be a trick question. Uh, the one that's had the had the best food ever was Palm Beach International Raceway. They had a cheeseburger that was amazing. However, that cheeseburger decided to come back and talk to me later in the evening and definitely wasn't as amazing when it came back later on in the day. But it was really, really good when I had it earlier in the day. Um, as far as anything else, um, I think that the, the best food is probably at Homestead because that was the place where I got the uh, – I had stone crab there one time, which was really, really cool. Um, so – as far as that, that's where that goes. The, where the worst food was is probably in Daytona. Um, although sometimes it smells really good, it's never really good at the track there. They can try really, really hard, and it can it can look really good, and it might taste really good for a minute, and then you realize it's not. Um, I don't know what their issue is. I don't know what the problem there is at the track, but no matter what you get there, it's just bad. And... Uh, and I'm not the only one who says that. There's there's numerous other people I've talked to about that, and it's all it's all just bad. But you deal with it because you're there. Um, so, like I said, the best food ever is definitely at Palm Beach International. But I probably won't do the cheeseburger there again. And uh, the the, uh, the best food that I actually would love to have again is from Homestead. That was the, the stone crab. That was really really good. And don't eat anything at Daytona if you can help it. Uh, you can have all the lemonade you want. The lemonade's really really Really, really amazing. But the food itself just sucks. <laughs> so if you get your Daytona fun going again, remember that. Don't get anything to eat in Daytona at the track. There's plenty of little restaurants <laughs> around the track. You can just go for a little walk. You can walk across the street to go to Hooters. You can go go to Longhorn Steakhouse. You can go to, to Cracker Barrel. Just don't eat at the track. If you can help it. Good to know. <laughs> There you go. And with that, we're going to go ahead and, and end our program for this week. I know it's been a little bit shorter. I know it's about the same length as the as one a few weeks ago when we talked to Dora Gregson. We'd like to thank him once again and congratulate him for his victory in the in the NASCAR Xfinity or the uh, the NASCAR Truck Series. He was really really awesome there. It was it was cool to talk to him, but I think that we might have woken him up when we talked to him because he was definitely a totally different person when they talked to him on, on television. But if you want to listen to that show again, I invite you to. I, I put the link up on Twitter the other day, so be sure to check out our, our brief little interview with Nora Gregson. Hopefully we can talk to him in the future. I don't think that's going to happen, but hopefully we can. And with that, be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read articles covering all aspects of motorsports at SpeedwayDigest.com. I have a bunch of different articles I brought this past week, a lot of them on, on Supercross, but, but also quite as many on IMSA and the National Hot Rod Association. Both of those are, are getting warmed up quite a bit. So be sure to check those out. I'm also working on, a, on an interview with Emmanuel Collard, which I need to do some translation for, and I'm going to try and get that posted sometime in the next few days. I could always post it entirely in French, but I don't think most of the readers of SpeedwayDigest.com would appreciate that. So, in addition, 
If you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Favor Plums Fantastic Finds. It can be found on Facebook, Twitter, at Favor Plums. You can also check it out at PB Happening. I'm posting all of the articles from, from there on there as well. And by heading to Favor Plums Fantastic Finds.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Have a great week, and thanks again.